Chapter thirty four of Pee Wee Harris FOB Bridgeborough. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Pee Wee Harris FOB Bridgeborough by Percy Keys Fitzhugh. Chapter thirty four. End of the Relay Race. As the sun slowly sank behind the hills, Pee-wee finished his tomato, and even as the deeper twilight erased the crimson glow from the wooded hilltops, he wiped the vivid red from his round face and smacked his lips and sent his tongue on a sort of clean-up tour about the exterior of his mouth. Then he crept out under a neighbouring pine-tree and, gathering a few stray twigs, proceeded to amplify the little pyramid of kindling which he had built under a tempting-looking black pot which stood on two miniature walls of brick. He lifted the tin cover from this pot and gazed fondly, proudly, within, at his handiwork, a hunter's stew ready for boiling. With a rough wooden spoon he stirred it, revealing tempting bits of carrot, pearly shavings of onion, and substantial pieces of meat. There was stew enough there for two, on a two-helping basis, and it would keep till the morrow, in case his elaborate calculations of the movements of the relay racers proved inaccurate. He replaced the cover on the pot, and gave a look of defiance down at camp, and resumed his seat upon the doorstep. There is something very captivating in making calculations, and then waiting for their nice fulfilment. In starting his famous relay race from Westwood, New Jersey, Pee-wee had included Spring Valley, Haverstraw, Fort Montgomery, Newburgh, Platterkill, New Poults, Kingston, Solgates, and Catskill as the relay points. All of these places were large enough to have scouts, and he had Alton Beach's assurance that there would be no difficulty in passing the letter to some willing messenger in each of the towns named. Each messenger would be able to do his allotted errand and return to his home without a long absence. Allowing for lunches, sodas, ice-creams, parental objections with attendant pleas, etc., Pee-wee had determined that some time between seven o'clock and midnight on that very night the final messenger should arrive. He was waiting for him with a welcome, the best kind of welcome, a hunter's stew. And having thus regaled him, he intended to instruct him in the stern requirements of pioneer life. He intended to inform him of his romantic vow to shun the tame conveniences and facilities of camp, and to depend on their own resources. He would show him how these things were done. He would surprise him with that interesting item of scout-craft, that they could live without current and continuous aid from the civilised world. During the last day or two, Temple Camp had degenerated into something hardly better than a crowded city, and Pee-wee scorned it. The most authentic account of this singular climax to Pee-wee's adventures that summer is that he was dozing on the doorstep of the cabin at about 11 p.m., having heroically refrained from eating up to that hour. At least that was the testimony of Alton Beach, his westward acquaintance. Upon being awakened by the sound of merry voices, our hero, rubbing his eyes, was aware of two distinct groups of scouts standing in the moonlight. It is said that the moon was laughing but perhaps that is an exaggeration. In the foreground stood Alton Beach, and there is no doubt at all that he was laughing. 
to pee-wee's drowsy eyes this joyous apparition seemed to be surrounded by a throng of strange scouts containing not one familiar face in the background the whole of temple camp seemed to be crowding in mirthful expectation what uh, who uh, what are you doing here pee-wee stammered addressing the first messenger of the now momentous enterprise what are you doing here beach are you beach here we are said alton beach cheerily as pee-wee approaching a state of full wakefulness sat and stared you see the trouble was that your letter well it was too good the relay race instead of going in relays it just piled up no one would turn back so here we all are except two fort montgomery and haverstraw are missing it was the cabin and the two helpings of dessert that did it don't blame us you wrote the letter i flunked in spring valley and phoned home that i was going the limit spring valley went as far as newburgh with me and refused to go home new Poltz said he was going straight through don't blame me it was your letter you started a pilot race not a relay race scout harris so here we are and gee williger but we're hungry have you got supper ready oh absolutely positively said roy blakely stepping forward just let's see that letter a minute will you roy took the famous document from alton beach and in the light of his flashlight read aloud the words which had brought this catastrophe down upon our hero's head to walter harris if they don't know who you mean ask for pee-wee temple camp leeds ulster county new york this letter is brought by relays and each scout that gets it takes it to another scout only he has to be sure to go north toward temple camp everybody up that way knows where that is and knows me too whoever brings it to me and delivers it into my hand stays at temple camp for the rest of the summer and his meals free absolutely positively and they always give two helpings sometimes and bunks in memorial cabin with me positively sure p s this is true and i mean it walter harris alligator patrol that's absolutely good roy said it says whoever brings it it doesn't say one must bring it it doesn't say how many you're all welcome to memorial cabin greetings and salutations a scout never turns back have you got supper ready kid you're crazy pee-wee shouted do you think i can cook for eight scouts do you resources resources said ward hollister a scout can do anything said westy martin he never breaks his vow said doc carson he doesn't depend on civilization said dory benton oh positively not said roy he depends on his own initials just make yourself at home and he'll have supper ready in a couple of jiffies you fellows came to the right place you can all have forty eleven helpings of resources he knows that a scout never turns back some night after supper drop down to camp and see us come down and watch us eat said another temple camper i'm afraid they can't do that laughed another they're supposed to be leading the primitive life up here do you think we're going to starve pee-wee thundered do you think because a scout that plans a thing and then says what he'd do if that thing happens like he planned only it doesn't do you suppose they have to starve on account of a lot of lunatics like you especially roy blakely that shows how much you know about logic do you say that eight is the same as two 
it shall never be written that Temple Camp was lacking in hospitality, and there was no intention of allowing Pee-wee to attempt the entertainment of his human avalanche. Nor, indeed, had the avalanche any intention of imposing on our hero, for each member of the invading host had come supplied with funds. For a pick-up troop they were a pretty fine lot of fellows. It was Tom Slade, the young assistant, who stepped into the breach in this most critical and apparently portentous moment in the life of P. Harris. "'Look here, kid,' he said. "'You've got to take this whole crowd or none at all. This is the net results of your relay race. Take it or leave it. You forgot that a scout never turns back. In scouting, relay races are a myth. They just ain't.' A scout that starts always wants to see the finish. All that stuff in the scout handbook is nonsense. No scout ever handed a letter about eats and things to another scout and then went home. Never. You're all off on scouting, kid. Now look here, kid. This is Alton Beach's crowd and you're not going to break up the party. We've got a vacant cabin for these fellows and they're going to bunk in it and eat down in camp. See? "'So you just start your little fire and forget about this bunch, "'and your unknown chum will come along pretty soon. "'I'll take care of that.' "'What do you mean?' Pee-wee demanded. "'You'll see,' said Tom. "'Start your fire and get ready. "'I've got the right idea on this unknown pal business better than you have. "'You're way off the track, kid. "'You start your little fire and leave the rest to me. "'Come on, Beach. Come on, the rest of you fellows. "'You must be hungry.' It was not long after this that our lonely hero, somewhat squelched by recent happenings, heard an outlandish but strangely familiar noise and soon was aware of two lights poking their way up through the woods. Ah, that beloved familiar medley, that fond chorus of squeaks and rattles and unmuffled chugging, those beams of light bisecting each other from Lizzie's cross-eyed headlights. Up the hill she came, in and out among the trees, and over obstacles of fallen trunks, puffing, clanking, rattling, buzzing, pausing, swerving, but triumphing over every challenging obstruction. Lizzie! That's you, kid, called Townsend cheerily. Look out for the woodpile, Pee-wee said, his heart dancing with surprise and joy. Let the woodpile worry, said Townsend. Got supper ready? It's, it's just beginning to steam, said Pee-wee. Look out you don't run over it. "'It's going to be dandy, Townsend. "'It's all nice and thick with lots of carrots. "'I made it, Townsend.' "'Well, Liz,' said Townsend, "'as the beloved companion of their long journey came to a full stop "'and appeared to shake itself like a dog emerging from the water. "'Say, I'm hungry, Liz.' "'The Ford emitted three uncanny syllables "'which sounded not unlike those plaintive words.' "'That Slade fellow seems to be the big boss around here, doesn't he?' said Townsend, stepping down. "'Well, here I am, or here we are, I should say. "'It seems you can't lose me, kid. First I was going to walk up, and then I said, "'No, Liz belongs in this outfit. "'Can you accommodate the two of us, kid?' "'Slade bet me I couldn't make it. "'Why, it's like the Lincoln Highway, kid. "'Did you hear Liz laughing?' "'For almost the first time in the history of his loquacious career,' Pee-wee Harris could not speak. Liz was looking at him, with one bent-up cross eye, and in its light Townsend Ripley, his unknown guest indeed, saw that the eyes of his travelling companion were glistening. "'Can't lose us, kid,' said Townsend. But Pee-wee said nothing, and in the glare of that funny headlight, all askew, 
Townsend could see that the eyes of his young friend glistened more and more. That is a funny part of it. The Pee-wee Harris did not speak. End of chapter 34 End of Pee-wee Harris, F.O.B. Bridgeborough by Percy Keyes Fitzhugh